Welcome to episode 36 of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, The Father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, a.k.a. Matt Rawlings, and I'm joined as always by my trusty co-host, Jackson the Sun, and I do declare that this will be the finest episode of horror podcasting you ever did see. And for all the Southern and or Westerners I just offended, I am truly sorry. <laughs> oh, well, we are a spoiler podcast. We spoil the movies we discuss, and today we are talking about the 2015 horror western Bone Tomahawk. Bracing. This gonna penetrate. Good evening. Civilized towns. You look a man direct in the face when you talk to him. This isn't comfortable. Well, it's not supposed to be. There's a uh, situation. Serious. Mrs. O'Dwyer was abducted. She is my everything, and those savages have got her. God knows what they're doing to her. And every second, they'll be delayed. You know who did this? I don't have a name. How many of them do you think there are? It won't matter. You have no chance against any number of them. I'm, I'm coming with you. No, no, I need you here. And this is what a backup's for, to help an emergency, not stay back. I'm coming. We're making a five-day journey in three days, riding along and sleeping the bare minimum. I don't know what's west of here. No cattle trail or anything else goes in that direction. If our horses die before we get there, or we go into hostile territory, weak and foggy with exhaustion, we won't rescue anybody. Don't be scared. I am a friend. You aren't. Damn you! You had no cause. If you want to question my morals, do it later. Bless us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive. So, before we get there, uh, let the listeners know how you've been handling uh, quarantine. You had a little scare there for, for a minute. I week. did. Yeah, I was freaked out when I woke up one morning and my throat was sore. I was like, oh, no, this is the beginning of the end. Uh, but then I was like, okay, let's just see how this plays out. I'm going to quarantine myself, uh, see where this goes. I investigated the symptoms and I realized that I had none of the symptoms of COVID-19, but all of the symptoms of a common cold. So, uh, I, I, I realized that I probably shouldn't freak everybody out and start texting everybody I know saying, Hey, I have coronavirus. Um, so I just chilled out for a few days and then it was gone. So, uh, that's good. While I've been in, I have been watching movies and, and uh, listening to music, keeping myself occupied, uh, and listening to podcasts. So I'm so excited to be contributing to the vast sea of podcasts, which are keeping people entertained during this mandatory or self-quarantined uh, period of time. Yeah, and we'll, we'll, we're going to talk about podcasts a little bit later. I've got that in my notes. But what, what have, you been, have you been watching anything of note this week while you've been quarantined? I know you've been listening to a lot of metal and you've been yep. reading... Uh, Reading uh, Dave Mustaine's uh, yeah. biography from Megadeth, but because uh, mm -hmm. you're like me, you're a metalhead. But watch anything cool this week? Uh, aside from the movie we're talking about today, not really. I did see Constantine starring Keanu Reeves, which I liked oh, yeah. a lot more than I was expecting. I had never uh, read the comic before, uh, but when I started watching it, I was like immediately in the story. You don't you don't really need any background, uh, so that was pretty good. I would recommend that for any fans of Keanu Reeves out there who are looking forward to the next uh, Matrix movie coming out. But other than that, not really. Mostly TV and uh, listening to music. I watched the entirety of The Witcher. 
um, which was eight episodes each, an hour apiece. So uh, basically watched eight movies over this uh, last week. But um, yeah, Constantine, The Witcher, and the movie we're going to be covering today. Okay, and so The Witcher, thumbs mm-hmm. up or thumbs down? Thumbs up, though I would say stick around, because the first episode is the weakest part of the series. Oh, really? Okay. I haven't checked it out yet. Um, you know, during this quarantine, and I've been self-quarantined for over a week, now only going to the grocery store and to uh, drive throughs and to the church building, and, um, and now I'm going to have to shut down the church building, So um, because we've got a stay-in-home order from the governor of Ohio today. But uh, my week, here's the only thing. Look, I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. So I take this seriously and I'm worried about my people, all that kind of stuff. Um, our beautiful editor, my wife, doesn't like horror movies. Mm-hmm. So I can't watch horror movies because she's, you know, unless she's doing something, which I did manage to sneak in one. I went over to Shudder and I watched Howl a 2015 mm-hmm. British werewolf flick. Um, and it was okay. It, I expected more from it. It was directed by the guy who does all of the FX for Neil Marshall. So he did the special effects for dog soldiers. He did the special oh. effects for the, he did the special effects for the descent. Yep. And uh, the werewolf stuff was, it, it, it was okay. And it, it was shot too dark. It, it's not a bad movie. It, it, it was an enjoyable watch, but it's nothing to write home about. It was so a- wor- worse than Dog Soldiers. Oh, I like Dog Soldiers. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you don't like Dog Soldiers? No, I, I do. But you don't love it? No, I, I love Dog Soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the sarcasm in your voice. No, so. I do. I love it. But there's a reason I was, you know, asking right, about ahead. it. But, um... Well, well, we'll talk about it later on, because you did ask me to pick out a movie, but we're, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Oh, um, all right. But that's a, that's a little teaser, you know, whatever. I, I do, right. I have been looking for special effects, so we're going to talk about special effects-heavy movies later on the podcast. Okay. All right, so we're talking today about Bone Tomahawk, 2015. So, initial thoughts on this, Jim. Well, I wasn't sure what to expect. Uh, I was a little excited, a little optimistic, judging on what you had told me, which was that it was a good Western horror movie, which uh, there aren't a lot of those. I mean, Devil's Rejects is kind of a Western horror movie, and I'd seen that. I I had heard The Wind was good, but I hadn't seen it. Um, So It's it's an extreme slow burn, but it's well done. Which we're getting a lot of recently, so I, I think we're oversaturated with those. But I might check it out at some point, because, spoiler alert, I did like this movie. Um, I do have a lot of thoughts on it, but going into it, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure what to think of it. Um, wasn't sure how well the themes were going to mix together. And I'm happy to report that they work perfectly. I mean, this movie yes. works equally well as a Western and as a horror movie, though yeah. more a horror movie towards the end and more Western towards the beginning. Um I really dug this movie, and uh, I want to dive into each part of it and uh, talk about it, you know, at length with you. But um, just to give you an overview, I thought the performances were great. I thought the cinematography was striking. Uh, I think that that was what I was expecting, uh, judging by his earlier films, that it would look good. But I wasn't sure how substantive it would be. But I'm happy to report it's written well, edited well, cast is great, cinematography is amazing, good movie overall, and um, ha- I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Oh, uh, look, I straight up love this movie. I like gritty westerns, like mm-hmm. Unforgiven, High Plains Drifter, you know, that kind of thing. I, uh, it's not a gritty western, but gosh, I love Tombstone oh so much. Um, and I love horror. Um, I love the cast. I think the cast is amazing. I think S. Craig Zoller is great. I think he's especially strong with dialogue. I loved uh, his brawl in Cell Block 99 with uh, Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Carpenter. He did, uh, um, at least wrote, I can't remember if he directed, but I know he wrote Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, uh, which I know Wolfman Josh didn't like, but I I actually kind of dug it. I liked um, it. I thought it was the best one since uh, 3, since Puppet Master 3. I, I agree. I'm with you. Um <clears throat> But it's just, you know, 
I think he just really did the chocolate peanut butter thing so well, the Western horror thing, because it starts off horror mm-hmm. in the first opening scene. Then it becomes a Western for like another hour and 20 minutes. Yep. And then it goes full on brutal horror. Mm-hmm. And it is a long movie. I don't know if we mentioned that yet, but I was, oh, yeah. I, it was, it's like over two hours um, and I'm, well, I mean, a lot of that is credits. The last eight minutes of this movie are credits because that's how many people, you know, spent their hard work and, and, uh, hours on this movie. But, um, it, it is a long movie, but I do think it's paced well and that it keeps you invested. There's this underlying sense of mystery and, uh, anxiety at all points during this movie, because early on, it lets you know that anything could happen at any time and it could be really, really disturbing and bloody. So at all times, whenever, the, whenever there's silence of any like kind in this movie and you're following a character, you're like, oh no, what's going to happen to them? Something terrible is about to happen. Uh, and you're not ready for it to happen because you grow attached to these characters. Uh, but it keeps teasing you. It almost happens. Something almost happens, like, all the way through the movie. And then at the end, all hell breaks loose. It gets really, really oh, bloody, man. really gory, really disturbing. Uh, and I think horror fans will really dig that part. There is a scene near the end mm-hmm. that I think may have inspired um, uh, Terrifier. Mm-hmm. The art, the clown. They, because... Oh my! Oh, I know what you're talking gosh. about. Yeah, with the uh, deputy. Oh my gosh, that's brutal. Mm-hmm. And it's all on screen. <laughs> I, I, I think uh, one of the strongest points of this movie is they're not afraid to show you things. They're not. They're not uh, one to cut away to a to a reaction for too long. They show you the gory bits and. Uh, I think that it's really good at that as well. The special effects in this movie are just incredible. Even the makeup design on uh, the villains, I guess you could call them, yeah. uh, the the horror characters, uh, is really great. They're like monsters, aliens almost, looking creatures. Um, but it is really strong on the horror side, but it's also really strong on the Western side. Even when they're just you know walking around in the desert at night, there's a sense of terror and dread, and you can really feel the chill of the of the desert at night kind of setting in, and you're you've got that kind of anxious uh, feeling that the other characters have. It's just a very immersive movie. It does that really well. Yeah, and, and speaking of the villains, mm-hmm. I mean, some people complain that this movie was racist, but quite frankly, um, the villains. I think a lot of people assumed are Native Americans. They never state that. And in fact, the one Native American character in this movie is like, yep. oh, they're not with us. Yeah, they, <laughs> you know? he seems to imply that there's something else. He uh, he says something along the lines of, uh, um, you, wouldn't disting- yeah, you wouldn't distinguish them from any other Native, but we know they're not us. Um, they're, they're over thousands of generations inbred and they are like cannibals. Yeah. They're, well, they're cannibals. They're deformed. They're these like tribalistic creatures. And this movie isn't, I was concerned that this movie would fall into just cowboys versus Indians, but I think it's more than that. It's not racist in the fact that there is an Indian character, uh, early on in the movie, the professor who is, you know, a smart individual, smarter than anybody else in the room. Um, and he's oh, kind yeah. of the thing that gets the whole ball rolling there with them going on this trek. So um, it's not just In Cowboys fact, they should have Indians. probably listened to him more because he probably Definitely. advised them to go get the Calvary because he's yeah. the only one who knew anything about them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the old white dudes in the room are like, let's go uh, get them. Yeah, whatever, they, whatever. They say, they say a it, certain tribe, whatever. The sheriff says at one point in the movie, the only thing we have over them are our wits. You know, we're smarter than them. They're savages. Uh-huh. But we find out they're pretty ingenuitive. They can figure stuff out pretty quick, like guns. Uh, they figure out guns pretty quick, and uh, they they are pretty they're pretty smart. They catch on to their their schemes. So um, it's not racist. You know, for the sake of being racist, it's not that classic. Cowboys versus Indians, you know, the smart white man versus the savage. It's more than that. These are horror villains, and there are smart Indians in the movie. It's not that kind of thing. Yeah. Who, as I said, we don't even know if they're Native American or not. They, they just they just appear to be, yeah, this kind of just inbred family that's been living in this area for, you know, generations, and they're cannibals, and they're evil, and that's all we know. We don't know. Sort, of like, sort of like the hills have eyes. 
Yeah, we, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So let's talk about this cast because this mm-hmm. cast is amazing, is it not? Yep. And I was expecting something. I was like, oh, this is just going to be a Kurt Russell movie. I was totally wrong wrong on that. I mean, he he does shine in this movie, but the whole cast is just great all over, and they all have, like, little moments to shine. Yeah, Kurt Russell plays the sheriff, Sheriff Hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to see Kurt Russell every time I went to L.A. Kings games. He used to sit right across the rink from me. And I did not get starstruck easily when I was in Hollywood because— you know, one, you're supposed to be too cool for school. You know, if you're working in the industry, you're like, yeah, that's whoever. But I got starstruck a couple times. And one of the time was the first time I went to an L.A. Kings game because um, my buddy Brad Schmidt, who hired me to direct my first music, first and only music video, um, had season tickets to the L.A. Kings games uh, because he went to college and played hockey with the goalie at the L.A. Kings at the time. And so we had really good seats, um, and I would always sit right across from Kurt Russell. But I was starstruck by Kurt Russell. I did not have the guts to go have a conversation with Kurt Russell because it's like, that's Snake Plissken. Mm-hmm. You know, I just yeah, don't blame you. Oh, man. Um, but aside from Kurt Russell, as you said, Richard freaking Jenkins, who yep. is always amazing as the, as the backup deputy. How great <laughs> is he? Chicory, yeah, he was my favorite character, and a very versatile actor, Richard Jenkins, because, I mean, they must have aged him or something, because this came out in 2015, he looks 10 years older than he did in The Shape of Water, so they, he can play any age, any type of character, Uh, he's great as Chicory, I was really scared that he was going to be a martyr for the group, but thankfully, uh, and we are a spoiler podcast, by the way, I don't think we mentioned that at the top, but if you want to go see this movie, we do recommend it. Um, thankfully, Chicory is one of the lucky ones, uh, and I was so glad because he was one of my favorite characters. His way of looking at the world, just the way they write him is so funny, and just, he's, he's genius in his own kind of subtle way. Yeah, and, oh, I, I've said it before on this podcast how much I love Richard Jenkins. I think he's an underrated actor. He's been nominated for the Oscars a couple times. He's won an Emmy. He's just amazing. I mean, in everything I've ever seen him in, he's just been incredible. The person who I was really surprised by was Matthew Fox. Yep. Yep. Who is usually, yeah, Bruder, who is usually really kind of vanilla. He's just kind of the other guy. Was he in Lost? Was Matthew Fox in Lost? Is that what you're asking? Yeah, Boy, it's been so long since I've seen Lost. Wasn't but. he like a wasn't he like a doctor in Lost? Was he the doctor in Lost? He I think I think he is. I'm che- I'm trying to check his IMDb. I got I think that was... so angry at the uh, finale that mm-hmm. I kind of forgot. But yeah, he was. I haven't Lost. watched it all the yep. way through. Yeah, uh, Doctor Jack Shepard. Okay, well, don't get your hopes up. Um, <laughs> but yes, he was. Um, he was party of five, and he was Lost. But he's always kind of like he was in We Are Marshall, which shot you know. Um, 30 minutes from where I live and where you used to live, uh, Huntington, West Virginia. Um, I remember when I was practicing law in Huntington, West Virginia, and they were shooting We Are Marshall. The, um, every woman in my law firm would go sit at the riverbank on the Ohio River every morning at 6 a.m., because Matthew Fox and Matthew McConaughey would jog shirtless. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and they would applaud when they went by. Seems about uh, right. So, oh. But Matthew Fox is always kind of the actor who's just there. But, man. And he took this role because he'd always wanted to do a Western. He mm-hmm. loves Westerns. Because uh, he got almost no money for it. Right. Uh, either did Kurt Russell. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, here, for the one time that I could remember... He's playing an arrogant butt monkey, and he pulls it off. Yep. Yeah, and and I think it's kind of almost a critique of uh, probably how some people see him as a as a young movie star, which is that um, oh, I've been to Germany, and this is the rarest type of of uh, of telescope you can get, and I'm very snooty. Uh, only stupid people get married, you know that kind of thing. Um, but he pulls I'm, it I'm, off so I'm well. The most intelligent person here, and I. You know, I insist yeah, on keeping exactly. it alive. And kind of racist. <laughs> um, he well, has kind been, of? No, he has, he's he's more he, than a lower. I love Richard Jenkins' racist. line after he kills uh, the two Hispanic men 
Mm-hmm. And you know, poor another person we're going to mention in a second, Patrick Wilson, who's in this. Patrick Wilson's like, what's going on? And Richard Jenkins goes, oh, you know, Mr. Bruder was just uh, uh, showing people what uh, we mean by manifest destiny. <laughs> manifest or something destiny, like yep. <laughs> yep. And, and then in uh, a really profound line, actually, I think Richard Jenkins has quite a few profound lines. When Patrick Wilson asks him if they deserved it, Richard Jenkins says, I don't know, or something like that, or can we ever know? Which is something like, Kind of speaking to the whole idea of manifest destiny, they got really dark there and, and deep. Yeah. Uh, but Richard Jenkins, he comes off as kind of a, a simpleton in this movie, but he's also really, really smart in his own kind of way. I touched on that when I called him subtly genius. But um, I don't know. He's, he's the kind of guy I would love to sit and talk with. Oh, absolutely. As an aspiring director, I can't, honestly can't think off the top of my head of any actor mm-hmm. that would be better to talk to than yep. Richard Jenkins. Because he's humble, but he's had a lot of experience, and he's really, really good at his craft. Oh, he's outstanding at his craft. Absolutely. So, uh, we come to Patrick Wilson, mm-hmm. who, I mean, almost any horror fan will recognize, right? Right. Uh, because he, of course, plays Ed Warren in the Conjuring franchise yeah he was in watchman he's done he's he's been, he was in um uh oh shoot uh insidious yep so i mean the guy's been everywhere and he is a husband a a husband with a injury who is tracking down his wife who's been abducted by this this cabal of you know evil whatever they are mm-hmm. um I really liked him in this. Yeah, I think he was definitely stronger in this than like he he's given in a Conjuring movie. Um, he was given a lot more to work with from a writing standpoint, Absolutely. and he was definitely a dynamic character. Um, my favorite, you know, moments from him were when he was interacting with his wife, uh, like in the beginning. Uh, one of my favorite yeah. interactions is she's trying to get him to read a poem, but he's so macho man, he can't admit that he, he can just read it out loud. He's like, oh, sounds stupid if I read it out loud. But um, as and then he, he reads grows, it later and goes, yep, that's not a poem. Yep, he reads it later. Uh, yeah, and he's he goes through a lot of changes. I mean, he's kind of quiet and just kind of jokey in the beginning, but he is really defensive uh, about his wife, and he's willing to go to any uh, points to, to save her. Um, we see at one point in the desert, uh, even just mentioning her name in a kind of uh, derogatory manner will elicit a, a punch out of him, even though he's like gravely injured and in risk of uh, losing a limb. He is, uh, you know, still defending his wife to the end. So um, a great, I, I think he's just kind of a, a great protagonist, though. I don't know if he's actually written as a protagonist. There are characters who go th- through more growth uh, throughout the movie, such as, and I, I want to touch on this, uh, Matthew Fox's character, Bruder, who starts out as a terrible person, and then we kind of get more and more um, sympathetic towards him as we go on. He's given more, um, you know, character growth as as the picture goes on. So, Yeah, well, we learn that his... his mother and sister were right. killed by native americans and which that's... explains his bigotry you know he, he can't help but associate um native americans with that act uh since that point but also he heroically you know kind of sacrifices himself though yep. he, he plays it off as a selfish act you know i'm too vain i could never live without uh without my hand i've got to you know sacrifice myself though i think he knew exactly you know what he was doing he was helping out the others right um so everybody in this movie is just written perfectly. I mean, this is a really strong script. From beginning to end, it's like ripe with symbolism and like great dialogue and character growth. I mean, this thing could be studied in colleges. Oh, I agree. I agree. I think Craig Zoller is a great screenwriter. Mm-hmm. I mean, a really strong screen. Have you seen Brawl and Cell, Bra- Cell Block 99? No, just the trailer. I was curious as to like uh, to see what it was about, and it looks like a really well shot movie. But uh, I, I'll have to look into that in the future. Yeah, you gotta check that out. Um, and a couple others: Lily Simmons, mm-hmm. who is great as, um, well, I, I don't mean this derogatory. I mean, is she a doctor or yeah. a nurse? 
I think she's a doctor, oh, okay. or, or at least, like, she was a, a doctor or a nurse in the wars, how I kind of saw it. Okay. Um, and that's what she's been since. Because um, they don't really say, do they? Because they always no. call her Mrs. Whatever, but they never refer to her as doctor. Yeah. And I, she... I assume she was a doctor because of the tools she had, okay. uh, but uh, I guess there's no way to be sure. She's great in this. Mm-hmm. She's fantastic. I was really unfamiliar with her work. I saw that she played Catwoman on Gotham, which I've never seen yep. Gotham. Sorry, sorry, Daryl over at Retro Movie Geek. I've <laughs> never seen Gotham. Um, and then there are cameos, great cameos in this thing. I don't know how S. Craig Zoller pulled off the cameos he did with such a small budget, but Sid Haig and mm-hmm. David Arquette. Yep. David Arquette in his second Western about cannibalism, because he was in Ravenous from 1999. But that opening scene with Sid Haig and David Arquette, how cool is that? It was cool. And I, I, I was sad to see Sid Haig go, but I understand that at that point, he probably wasn't in the best state to be trekking across the desert and such. So um, it was nice that we saw him and at least a cameo. Absolutely. And did you notice who the mayor's wife was? Remember in the in the saloon when the mayor and his wife storm in and the mayor's wife is piping up? Why wasn't the mayor notified? Do you know who that was? No, I don't. Though she did look familiar. Sean Young. Ah. I Rachel don't... from Blade Runner. Oh, really? Yes. That's a strange role for her to take on. And well, Bone she, hasn't had a, she hasn't had a lot of work in a while but because uh, she does have a reputation, but... I'd love to see her back at thing. And did you recognize the mayor? Uh, no. I wasn't paying attention during that scene, I guess. The mayor was Jameson Newlander, a.k.a. Alan Frog of the Frog Brothers what? from the Lost Boys. Why? What? Yes. This is just a reunion of great 80s movies. I mean, exactly. we've got Kurt Russell. We've got Jameson Newlander. What? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and... and... And you said this didn't have a huge budget? $1.8 million was the budget. What? And they shot it in 21 days. It's just over outside two hours of long. And not, let, let me ask you this Where do you think this was filmed? Uh, Arizona, Malibu, California. <sighs> they must have gotten a killer tax break on this one. They shot it on a ranch in Malibu. If you don't know, folks, listen, I don't, I don't want to be condescending, but if you don't know what Malibu is, uh, I lived in L.A. It's a beach community north of Los Angeles where kind of the rich and, well, let's put it this way. If you've seen Two and a Half Men, that's Malibu. <laughs> but there are ranches out there, and they shot this on a ranch in Malibu, California. And, and they shot it in 21 days. I don't know how he pulled it off in his directorial debut, but mm-hmm. good on him. I mean, amazing, right? Yeah, I, I there's there had to be some black magic behind the scenes on that one. That's crazy. Over two hours and 21 days shot in California with huge A-list actors in a horror movie. Yep. How did this happen? Exactly. And well, here's how he nabbed Kurt Russell. Um, Apparently, I, and I didn't know this until I started to research it, um, S. Craig Zoller was a novelist before he became a filmmaker. And oh. Kurt Russell had read one of his novels and was a big fan of it. So when they sent him the script, he's like, oh, that's that guy I just read that novel by. And, oh, yeah, and it's a Western and it's shot in L.A. where I have a home. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But, um and now that I'm thinking about it, this movie is written a lot like a like a Western novel with a horror twist to it. Maybe that's why he's so good at like character growth and overarching plots is because he's he's trained in these long form medias. That's uh, my my brain is being blown right now. You have just told uh, me that this movie was an impossible production, basically. Oh yeah. Um, that the director got Kurt Russell because he wrote books beforehand. It's just like now my appreciation for this movie has increased twofold. I think I'm gonna have to adjust my rating and my notes. Oh, there we go. Just just knowing all this about the the uh, production of this film, you know, it's just it's man, that's crazy. This movie is great. Oh yeah, 
Um, I before we were um, talking, I was online. I was watching the movie again and and um, reading some reviews. Vulture reviewed uh, reviewed this movie and said, if you blend the Searchers, which is the classic John Wayne movie, have you ever seen that? Uh, yes. Oh, good. Oh, gosh, I love The Searchers. I know a lot of people consider it racist, but my gosh, the cinematography <laughs> in that movie is so brilliant. If you blend The Searchers with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you get Bone Tomahawk. That's what Vulture said. Yep, that's about right. I think it is about right, yeah. And a little and, bit of The Health Have Eyes. Yeah. Um, and what I love about it also, it doesn't always telegraph its punches. Nope. Like in the opening scene with David Arquette and Sid Haig, you can kind of get the feeling, okay, something bad. When they're like, that looks like a, you know, an Indian burial ground. It was kind of like a slasher. Yeah, you know something bad's going to happen. But outside of that, once you get into it, it's like, no one is safe here. Yeah. Nobody, anyone can die. Mm -hmm. And in fact, spoiler alert. They do. Most of them do. and. Like the scene where Matthew Fox's character Bruder gets jumped in his sleep by a rustler. Mm-hmm. Did you see that coming? No, and I think that's the movie's uh, kind of subtle way of telling you to be on the edge of your seat at all times because it will leave you speechless. Um, you know, it doesn't follow that classic, you know, like slasher. Uh, script where this character will die and this character will die then this character is naked then this character dies it just it just zigzags between points um people can die at any times doesn't matter how big of an actor they are how much character development they've had and uh the people that you most expect to be the ones dead by the end of the movie are the ones that kind of survive so um uh, huge surprise for me. I think that that shows the sign of a great writer where you've seen movies like this a million times, but you're still left guessing as the movie goes on. Yeah, I agree. But it's we should warn people, look, um, I have no idea how Jay of the Dead would feel about this movie. It is, a, as you said, a long movie. It's two hours and 12 minutes long. Mm-hmm. It is, especially in the second act, it's a slow burn. Yep. Um, so if you have a short attention span, this may not be your cup of tea. That being said, if you're okay with that kind of thing, with a quick opening, gory ending, and a middle where it's a little more character-driven, you have to check this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I would agree. Um, and it, it is, it does keep you, you know, occupied. It doesn't just lose you in the second yeah. act. It's just slower. I, I still wouldn't call it, uh, like a super, super slow psychological thriller where maybe you saw something, maybe you didn't. There's still action in the second act and there's still a lot of character development. And by that point, if you make it to a point in the second act where you think it's a little boring, you're already invested in the character. So it doesn't matter so much. Yeah, I, I'm just kind of thinking about like Gilman, Joel Robertson, Jay of the Dead. It's like, you know, it may not be their cup of tea. It may mm-hmm. be. I don't know. Um, I'm not saying because Gilman has told said Gilman, Joel Robertson has said several times he's okay with slow burns, um, you know. But just don't be boring. Mm-hmm. And so I think you are saying you would recommend to him, you know, in the second act, it is a bit of a slow burn, but it's not boring. Yep. And I mean, that's to be expected. It's 132 minutes. So there's going to be a little bit of um, of some some dragging out of scenes. But I think it all works to build the atmosphere of this movie. You really feel like you're in this desert with these people. It's one of those movies. Um, So it relies a lot on building an atmosphere for horror to happen in rather than just, you know, springing it on you unjustified. Yeah. And by the way, uh, just uh, just off the side, Kurt Russell won the Fangoria Chainsaw Award for Best Actor in a Horror Movie for this. Yeah, he deserves it. And kind of surprising, again, spoiler alert, he's dead by the end of the movie. I was expecting him to be the only one that survived. I mean, he's Kurt Russell. Yeah, yeah he's dead. And um, 
I wonder if I've got to go back and look, because I remember the Chainsaw Awards were kind of spotty. Sometimes they were on this thing called, I don't know if sure this is even around anymore, Spike TV, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know what and, you're talking about. Yeah, and I hope Kurt Russell showed up to accept the award because, you know, come on, guy. You were, you know, dude, you were in The Thing. You were in, you know, I mean, come on. You've done a lot of horror movies. Come on, let's let, show up. Uh, but I don't know if he did or not because most celebrities uh, didn't show up to accept their chainsaw. I mean, it's, it's a smaller award show than something like the Emmys or the Oscars, obviously. Well, yeah. But it's it's highly specialized to recognize these horror actors and uh, and filmmakers. So um, I'm, I'm glad something like that exists, though admittedly I've only really participated in uh, one, you know, Fangoria Chainsaw Award. I, I um, filled out that Google form they have you fill out to vote for people to nominate. Yeah, you. me too. Yeah. So, um, you know, but I'm glad something like that exists. And, and I know I've talked about it before, but I'm still glad Fangoria's back. I mean, what a mainstay of, of horror culture. I mean, it's, now it's back with a vengeance. So. And I was uh, listening to Shockwaves uh, yesterday, I believe. Mm -hmm. And right now, I think they're offering free access to their online digital catalog, which includes like former uh, episodes, uh, not episodes, but like old like content, old co older content. So you can go back and look at like older stuff. And so, so you can look that up and you can get like 30 days during the quarantine to go read old Fangoria articles. So uh, which I oh, man, I used to have to sneak Fangoria into the mm -hmm. house. Uh, loved it. So what else do you want to talk about with this? with this film well i think that um you know something i wasn't really looking for that just kind of stood out to me was the cinematography which um i haven't seen brawl and cell block 99 but it looks really really good um just oh, you know, good. looking at it and, and i understand similar, that you wrote it it's very similar in the pace too that uh -huh. it's it it oh man it it ends gory Cool. Well, I'll add that to my letterbox to watch list. Um, can we? So the scene that is kind of a not something that people would write home about, but I mean, I noticed it and I thought it was great. The scene where the rescue gang, uh, the search party, they all depart from the town on horses, and just the shots of them riding out of town are so perfectly composed. Everything is like asymmetrical, but it's perfectly neat. I don't know. It looked like a diorama. Um, I mean, the attention Absolutely. to detail is there. The The blocking in this movie is really, really stellar. Um, everybody feels like they're doing something meaningful, and your eyes always have something really nice to look at, even though it should just be this barren, desolate wasteland. I mean, it's always visually intriguing. So that was um, really, like, encouraging to me. I was like, oh, I got an hour and a half ahead of me. Not much has happened yet except for the opening. And then I saw the cinematography and I was like, okay, this is masterful. This is going somewhere. Um, I want to talk about the characters now. Yeah, uh, let's do it. Specifically Bruder, uh, which I mean, when I first was introduced to Bruder, I was like, this guy is a total jerk. I, I hope yep. people don't think I'm a Bruder um, because that's a fate worse than death. But um he comes around, and I was most surprised by his arc, because I really hated him. I mean, he shoots a dog, he shoots two possibly innocent uh, people who are just trying to enter the camp, um, and he seems to have this disdain for any race that's not his own. Yeah. Um, but as the movie goes on, I mean, his backstory is revealed. He, he is more sympathetic to the other characters in the group with him. He lets them use the German, as they call it. Um, uh, and then, you know, his backstory is revealed, and he ultimately makes a heroic sacrifice. So, um, I mean, I came around on Bruder, and that really impressed me, that the, the director, the writer, can, um, you know, take this character that's utterly irredeemable, seemingly— and make him, you know, a sympathetic character. So that was awesome. Uh, Kurt Russell's character, the the sheriff, you know, from the beginning, it seems like he's just a, this, um, you know, cold as ice, tough as nails kind of sheriff who won't crack. He's a crack shot. Um, 
a really cool guy, almost like R.J. McCready and Snake Plissken. He's that kind of guy. But as the movie goes on, he shows real character, real depth. Um, you see the facade cracking sometimes. You see him act like a real human. And I think by the end of the movie, especially in the scene with Deputy Nick, uh, mm-hmm. where he's kind of lying to Deputy Nick to make him feel better, um, I mean, you can, see, you can hear it in his voice. He is giving 110% to this performance. He's not just yeah. that classic, like, cool guy. He's really conveying some emotion. So that was impressive to me. Um, obviously, the main character of the movie, played by Patrick Wilson, whose name is Arthur, um, Arthur O'Dwyer, I think. Yep. He started off to me as kind of nothing special, just like Joe protagonist. But as the movie went along, I talked about it a little bit earlier. Uh, he shows a real fire and a real t- determination, even though his body is literally trying to make him you know, stop trying to deter him from this quest. He won't stop. Even when he can't use his crutches anymore, he crawls along the ground. He pulls himself up hills and stuff. I mean, it's just amazing. And he gives it all in this performance. He, it looks like he hurts himself a lot in this movie and it's all on screen. I mean, he's he's constantly falling and dragging himself around in the dirt. And this does not look like a comfortable production at all. I mean, you can't really pad the rocky dirt in the desert. So, um, I mean, he was great. And uh, Lily Simmons, who I haven't seen her in anything else. I'm with you. I haven't really watched Gotham. Just a few clips. Um, She was surprisingly good in that. I mean, you think, oh, she's just going to be, you know, the damsel in distress. But she's actively working to get them out of the situation. And the only reason she hadn't already is because she had no options. Um, But as soon as she sees a little bit of hope, she's the one that's kind of masterminding this whole escape plan. Um, So she was great in the movie. She was very commanding when she was on screen. Her character, despite what Matthew Fox says, she's obviously the most intelligent character in this movie. Yeah, yeah. She's definitely more intelligent than Bruder. And that, I mean, she's a doctor or a nurse. Either way, that's a lot of work. I mean, that's not... Uh, but she's always level-headed. She's always right. just... She's, yeah, she's incredible in this. And she knows exactly what to say to people at all times, you know, to kind of keep them sane. I, at one point, Richard Jenkins is, you know, uh, trailing... Flea circus. Yeah, talking yeah. about a flea circus. And she lies to him, much in the same way that Kurt Russell kind of did uh, with Deputy Nick. She lies to him to kind of perpetuate that fantasy and keep him in the moment. Uh, and I think were it not for that, he might have spiraled a little mo- bit more because he's possibly senile. We're not quite sure um, how in the moment he is from from scene to scene. But, um, man, she is great. The way she interacts with other people, I think, is their strongest, um, her strongest asset as an actor. But uh, even, this, even the small characters like Sid Haig and, and David Arquette, I mean, they were great in their roles. They all felt very at home in this movie, uh, like they were born to play these characters. So, uh, oh, very that, the yeah. scene in the the saloon with David Arquette and Kurt yeah. Russell. Yep, maybe the best acting I've ever seen David Arquette do. And as much such... as I love Deputy Dewey, right? I, he nailed that scene because he's kind of a goofy character on screen. He's the comic relief at right. a few times, but there's he's not real tension. I mean, here he's he comes across as a real dirtbag. Yeah, he's a dirtbag and he's a cold-blooded killer, basically. Um, but, uh, you know, there is real tension in that saloon scene. When he, he's talking to Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell is kind of subtly interrogating him. I was, you know, ready for guns to start blazing, and they do. Uh, but it's kind of a one-sided fight, as we see. Um, but this movie's strongest uh, thing for me is the... Um, kind of mystery behind what this tribe is, you know, what these these people are, how they're so good at killing, and uh, why they're doing the things they do. And I think we get most of the questions answered, but when they're in that cave, and they're exploring the territory of this this tribe, um, I mean, everything feels so alien. It's like they've been on their own, isolated for so long, they have their own, like, systems, they have their own technology their own like religion it seems yet uh none of the characters are privy to that and we're right along with them we have no idea what's going on none of it is explained to us so that's something that it does really well i mean these guys are are so scary whenever the characters are walking in the desert and they hear those horns blowing or those whistles i guess they are yeah um, how eerie are those i know and even the subtitles on prime it says eerie whistle so that should tell you exactly how they are um, and we learn later, you know, how they're making that sound, and it's not pretty. But um, 
you know, definitely very good on atmosphere, very good on mystery. The performances are good all over. Cinematography is good. Uh, that's all I got to say on it right now. I want to hear from you. Oh, it's Lily Simmons' line uh, when they're in the cave with the uh, with the whatever they are, the troglodytes, is so applicable to today. She says, "You know what makes the West so hard." It's not the natives. It's not the elements. It's the idiots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah. wow. You want to talk about a quote for today? Uh, mm. Oh, man. I just, this movie, just because the way it opens, the way it ends, the, the dialogue, it just keeps you on your toes. It's just, it, what I love about um, S. Craig Zoller's work so far is it's completely unpredictable. Mm-hmm. You just don't know where it's going. He rarely ever engages in tropes. And I like that. Now, yeah, I mean, there are a couple of things I questioned during the movie, like, okay, you're worried about rustlers getting bushwhacked. Why aren't you, you know, why don't you have somebody? Yeah, out? Th- that was, you those know, were my that, thoughts. But, but I think that's excused by the fact that they're all idiots. They are actually idiots, like Willie Simmons says. Yeah, 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 exactly. These are, this is, this is a much better example of toxic masculinity than, yeah. than you know, uh, than a lot of other movies, but uh, I love it. It's, it ranks up there. I go back and forth on, is this my favorite movie from 2015? Because Final Girls was out there, mm-hmm. but it's, it goes back and forth with those two, but I love this movie. I just yep. straight up love this movie so what else do you want to touch on here um you know i was you know kind of like live tweeting it but not really i wasn't tweeting i was just writing down (laughs) notes i was live annotating it i guess you could say (laughs) um so i mean one of the major takeaways that i got is that technically this is a marvelous film but if you showed this to somebody they just think oh it's just you know a horror western I hate the fact that people, when they hear horror and Western, they think, oh, it's just, you know, just entertainment. There's nothing uh, to learn from it. It's it's just kind of uh, infuriating to me. I mean, I, I talked to, about this uh, with my with my cousin, uh, talking about The Hateful Eight. Actually, you know, when people hear, you know, what it is, it's kind of this uh, thriller set in a Western setting they're like, oh, it's it's just a murder mystery. It's just like Clue. Well, it's something more than that. And I feel like Bone yeah. Tomahawk is more than just a Western horror. It's got, you know, little mixings of every genre, and it's really good at everything it does. So um, when you're watching this movie, just really think about what you're seeing, what you're, you know, ingesting from this film, because it's all meaningful. There was purpose there. It's not just to give you something cool to look at, like a Transformers movie. There's there's like real growth. There's really great dialogue. It's written perfectly, uh, and every technical aspect is really great as well. I completely agree. So, like I said, I straight up love this movie. Mm-hmm. Are we ready to rate it? Let's do it. All right. All right. I want to hear yours first. Let's hear your rating. Okay, well, originally, going into this, I had an 8.5. All right. Um, It's now a 9 out of 10 for me. Yes! Um, And I think it might be my favorite horror film from 2015. Um, It is a high-priority rental for me. It's it's streaming for free with Prime, or you can rent it if you just have Amazon. Um, And I would definitely recommend it. I think it's worth your time. It is a long movie, but, I mean, what else are you going to be doing this week? So, uh, yeah, definitely rent Bone Tomahawk if you're into Westerns, horror, or both. So this is what I have on my notes, which I typed up two hours ago. I straight up love this movie, and I give it 9 out of 10. And... You need to stop doing this. These aren't <laughs> scripted. Here, I feel... We I are feel... not... Yeah, we don't script this. I don't even know what we're doing next week. I don't know what like, we're doing. I, I was about to say something to you earlier, and you're like, no, 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 don't tell me. Wait, save for the for the podcast, you know, because we, like, really take it seriously, this, like, learning about each other's notes on the podcast, because that really, you know, builds an, an element of surprise with these. Um, but, yeah, we, we, we are so alike that it's usually about the same rating. Off air, we're we're usually talking about just what we're doing during the week, how we're doing, yeah. all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I I'm going to buy this, even though the Blu-ray doesn't have a lot of extras, and I would darn near kill for a commentary track from Zoller, but it doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I we would, can petition to get one. I think we should. So, 
Yeah, it's a nine out of ten. It's a buy for me. Bone tomahawk. You got to have it, guys. You got to have it. So, all right. We will hear what we are reviewing um, next in a minute. But in the meantime, you can check out our website at fatherandsonwatchhorror.com. You can follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We have a Patreon page that will be dropping this week. Um, And we would appreciate your support. Uh, We would appreciate a five-star rating and review over at iTunes. And, uh, buddy, where can they find you online? On Twitter, I'm at Kane underscore Hero 12. That's K-A-I-N-E underscore Hero 12. On Letterboxd, I'm at Kane Hero. That's one word. And I've got a YouTube channel. You can find that floating around in the bio of both those websites. Yeah, an excellent YouTube channel. So I can be found uh, at Pastor Matt R on Letterboxd and Twitter and Instagram. So, drum roll. (laughs) What are we watching for our next show? Well, I was thrilled to hear you talking uh, about a certain director earlier um, because I picked a movie for for this next upcoming week, uh, which is streaming on Shudder. Uh, it turns 18 year old, years old this month. Actually, the Ooh. day we're recording this episode, it turns 18. Oh, wow. Uh, and it's from the director of one of our favorite horror films ever from the aughts, uh, The Descent. And that's Dog Soldiers. Yeah! I haven't seen this movie yet. I'm a huge werewolf fan, obviously classic horror fan, because Creature from the Black Lagoon is my favorite movie. But um, yes, Dog Soldiers, haven't seen it. Uh, I expect great things because I love the, the descent, love werewolf movie. Salt was streaming on Shutter, a new edition actually. Uh, so that's my pick for next week. Oh man, I can't wait to get to Dog Soldiers. And for some reason, Wolfman Josh is just so so on this movie, but I I really liked it. So we'll I can't wait to talk about it. So, all right, folks, as we were all shuttered in, be kind to one another, as our friends Dino and Michelle over at the Huh Podcast say. Just be kind to one another. Don't go all Delbert Grady, like in The Shining. Mm-hmm. Uh, just calm down, read, watch movies together, listen to great podcasts like Horror Movie Podcast, Land of the Creeps, Retro Movie Geek, Consider the Cinema, The Huh Podcast, all those kind of things. Listen to podcasts, read, chill out. We will get through this. I promise you. Uh, my parents lived through the Great Depression. They got through it. We'll get through this. If we're all just smart and kind to one another, especially our, our family. You know, I, mm-hmm. okay, I, 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 you guys know I'm a pastor. I preach, but I try not to bring religion into this podcast. But what I preached last week was, you know what? For some reason, we are kinder to strangers than we are to our own family. Yep. Um, you know, if you turn around and bump into somebody in movie theater, say, oh, excuse me. But with family at home, you'll go, move! Yeah. Yeah, my way, whatever. Um, Well, you know what? Now that we're all stuck together, be kind. Just be gracious with each other. And we will get through this. But we're going to do our best to... You've got... I know you've got schoolwork coming through Mm -hmm. online. Um, I'm preparing for... Uh, a couple more doctoral classes. Um, so we're busy, but we'll try to podcast as often as we can during this time. Um, and I really look forward to uh, having an excuse to watch Dog Soldiers, no matter what my wife, who hates horror movies, says. So, all right, guys, stay safe. Say goodnight to the good people. Goodbye to the good people, buddy. Goodbye, and remember to polish your throat whistles. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Oh, thanks for listening. Be safe. And until next time, remember, the family that watches horror together slays together. Take care.